You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, March 8th. As always, I am your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always, the most, Javier Reyes. Uh, You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI and Friars on Base, or maybe my non, you know, more entertainment-related work at places like Nerdist, Mental Floss, Film Cred, and hopefully many more. Uh, of this year, Lockdown Padres podcast, guys. You can check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno, and that's spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. Uh, feel free to hit me up on either of those two accounts with any questions, comments, or concerns you might have, and I'd love to get back to you and maybe even put your questions right here on the show. And for today's episode, very fun one, guys. We're going to be recapping some of the stuff that happened over the weekend, mainly when it comes to the pitching performances. And then we're going to be getting into a very, you know, I've been talking about it for like a week now, my official kind of top 10 questions I have for the 2021 Padres. Not too many obvious stuff, some obvious stuff, some not so obvious stuff. I'm really excited to get into that. We're going to do five of the 10 questions today, and then you'll get the next five tomorrow, Tuesday's podcast very exciting times, guys. Very exciting times indeed. But before we get into all that, before we get into the recap for 10 questions, a very heartfelt and wonderful happy birthday to the warlock, Mr. Tommy Pham. Back in the day, I called him the warlock on one of my first episodes of this podcast. Why did I call him that? I believe it was because he posted on his Instagram story him laughing at the press conference that the Astros were giving back when, you know, Astros cheat ball and asterisk uh, stuff was all happening and he was posting clown emojis and kind of roasting them and stuff. So I call him the warlock for that. I think that's what it was. So I've been saying that forever now at this point. And it's, I know he hasn't been very good all necessarily, but still, um, you know, hoping for a bounce back from the guy. So happy 33 uh, years old to Mr. Tommy Pham. Um, I also thought, just for a reminder, guys, you know, there's plenty of stuff out there. Everybody knows Big power guy, big steel guy. He's been one of the better outfielders. He had a borderline, like, great uh, second half with the Rays that one year to really elevate them into the playoffs and be even better. Here's a fun stat from Kevin Acey that I saw. His percentage of swings put in play, 42.4, is the 14th highest in the majors since 2018, and his 21.3 percentage uh, chase rate is 8th best. I also like to point out that stat because he hasn't necessarily been lighting it up in spring training so far. And I think that a big part of that, like another thing AC wrote about is, you know, he's got to, you know, get his mechanics down, some stuff with his vision, getting his contacts, the the right contacts that he pays for, because he has a, a little bit of an issue with his vision. So bottom line, do not sleep on Tommy Pham. I think that we should expect at least better than last year. But let's get into the recap of this weekend's games, guys. There's not too much. I'm not going to lie to you. Not too much that I found particularly noteworthy. Not 
too much. On Saturday, the Padres beat the Dodgers 2-1, to which obviously means, of course, it pretends of great things in the future, of course. Spring training only matters if your favorite team ends up winning a bunch of games against your rival, and if they end up losing against your rival, of course, they do not count whatsoever. So in this case, this absolutely counts. Screw the Dodgers, everybody. Uh, the big thing about this game is Chris Paddock pitched, who I am very famously kind of a... Uh, vocally negative about on this podcast I'd say he goes two innings giving up only two hits no earned runs and fanning one uh cool nice to see that from him Adrian Morajon also made an appearance he goes two innings walking three and striking out two but giving up no runs Kianquila also came in there went one inning striking out all three which is very nice um and Miguel Diaz came in the game um, who's the guy that I'm interested in for the record uh he goes only one inning giving up one earned run on one hit and one walk, uh, you know, just from the pitching side of things, there's not too much to really report here. Hassan Kim hasn't really gotten going yet, uh, per se. He hasn't been all that super exciting. Brian O'Grady, Luis Campizano didn't do much. You know, Austin Nola is back in there. He's batting 231 in the spring. Not too much from the offensive side of things that I'm particularly all that looking forward to, except for, well, C.J. Abrams has been fun, I guess. He's batting 500 over the course of spring training so far, and his, I think it's his speed. That's been freaking everybody out. But that's really all there is to report about that game. And then on Sunday is basically the game that was, I guess you could say, just a little bit more exciting. The Padres lost to the Kansas City Royals uh, 4-3, like I said. So this game does not count, of course. Um, <laughs> but the excited part about the game was you, Darvish. And, man, I mean, he was so much fun, guys. First of all, his stat line goes two innings, only giving up one hit, no earned runs, no walks, and striking out four uh, one thing that was really funny, there's a lot of things about this, right? So one thing that I found pretty hilarious was that you Darvish said that he used seven pitches. Uh, that's what he responded to when they asked, you know, how many pitches was he using? He responded seven, which I thought was, uh, awesome. And I am so excited to have this guy. He's such a fun personality. It's such a, a fun guy to have in on the team, I think. But yeah, total just a great immaculate variety of pitches through at least three different off-speed pitches between a uh, 94 to 96, uh, miles per hour for the fastball, 17 pitches, 12, 12 strikes. Uh, looked good. Looked good. He's going to be probably the favorite to be the opening day starter. I think unless Lament is super healthy, I think that Yu Darvish is probably the guy that we should look forward to as being the uh, number one starter. And I also want to plug, um, it's not mine, but it's, uh, or actually, I, you know what, that reminds me, I'm going to plug something of my own. I want to plug, firstly, though, uh, Kevin Acey wrote a piece uh, in the San Diego Tribune that I'm actually going to link in the description. Um about uh, breaking down Yu Darvish's 11 different pitches. Uh, so I'm going to link to that. It's really just, it's Yu Darvish fan. I don't really know what else to say. I don't like doing that thing where I would overanalyze. He's been basically awesome for like two years-ish now. He had that point when he signed, uh, when he gets traded to the Dodgers, you know. That's what's so fun about him, I think, is that he gets traded to the Dodgers is pretty good there. That crazy deadline when Verlander... Uh, Sonny Gray and you Darvish will are on the trading block and then he is good for them but then he gets lit up in the World Series and then gets signed by the Cubs and is kind of bad there I remember I remember this because I had him on my fantasy team that first year when he was with the Cubs and then he figures it out later of course you know what I mean he starts really figuring out how to adjust and whatnot I mean it was it was scary because Darvish has always been kind of I think a favorite amongst MLB fans so seeing him sign like a contract with the Cubs and then not really pan out and kind of fall off was really sad, but thankfully uh, he improved dramatically in that respect. 
And also, speaking about you, Darvish, I wrote for Baseball FYI uh, last week, actually, which I forgot to totally talk about this last week. Um, I wrote a little dumb, you know, kind of silly piece where I compared the 24 hours, December 27, 2020, in which A.J. Preller basically launched his attack on the league, uh, acquiring you, Darvish, Blake Snell, and signing Hassan King within the span of 24 hours. And I compared it to the entirety of trade deadlines over the past six years, because I felt like six years. Uh, Really silly piece. It's probably not very empirical or correct. You know what I mean? Like, don't get me wrong, there were more people, but I still, the big emphasis was on the fact that they did this in 24 hours. So when you take that and that part of it into context, were any other deadlines really as exciting as just the 24 hour period the Padres kind of had there? And I have my little verdict. So I'm going to plug that uh, really quickly. If you guys want to check that out, I'll put it in the description of the podcast. This and AC's um, um, article on you Darvish's 11 pitches is really good and I, I love Kevin AC I think he's a fantastic writer and he's been on this podcast before too back in the early days for long time listeners of the pod uh, back in the early days um so yeah, those are really my only main takeaways from the weekend it's hard to get many takeaways especially from batters considering that you know it's baseball batters it's it's you need a larger sample size to start judging things but hopefully we get a, f- a couple more games of action and I'm gonna recap them of course as always uh, here on this podcast but That's enough of the spring training, guys. Enough of all that. But before we get into my 10 of my official, you know, trademark uh, Javier Reyes 10 questions for the 2021 Padres, before we get into all that, guys, I need to talk to you about betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over. It's been over for quite a long time now, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. We're going to have March Madness soon, all that stuff, and baseball will be back soon, and the NBA, while it is on a little bit of a break right now because of the All-Star break, you know, still really exciting times for all of your sports betting stuff. And BetOnline even covers awards and TV shows and reality TV. They basically have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, the scores, and odds. It's the... It really is just the best way to place your bets, and it's also free to sign up. Free is always wonderful, isn't it? Because barely anything in life is free, let me tell you. Uh, So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's right. You get extra money just just for signing up pretty much. It's fantastic. Remember to use the promo code Locked On when you do that, guys. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And now I want to talk to you about just one of the great new develops of developments of the Lockdown Network. You know, we're talking about the Padres here. We're going to be talking about my top 10 predictions and stuff. But when it comes to the rest of the sports world, the Lockdown Podcast Network, they've got you covered. With the Locked On Today podcast, it is hosted by the iconic, the, ex- the astounding, the exceptional, the legendary, the legendary Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. That's what's so cool about it, expediency. You know, it's efficient. You get up, you you, you know, you do your stretches, you, you brush your teeth. You know, by the time you're done with doing all those things, especially if you're as slow as I am usually in the morning, you're already you're caught up on all of your sports stuff. And featuring all sorts of uh, different local experts from the Lockdown Network on there every now and then. You might even hear my voice on that podcast. So guys, subscribe to the Lockdown Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You won't regret it. Guys, are you ready 
because I'm ready. I'm ready. Here we go. Let's get into it. My top 10 questions for the 2021 Padres. The official kind of questions. I'll be putting these out on social uh, too, you know, so you can guys can make fun of me if I'm wrong about something or whatever. And I was, you know, too skeptical about something heading into 2021 season, but whatever. Let's get into it. Starting with number one. My first question that I am very curious to see how it plays out for the Padres this year is how will Hassan Kim, Jake Cronenworth, and Jerickson Profar be fitting into the Padres lineup? It's fair to assume that basically Jake Cronenworth will probably be the guy that we're most often going to see in the lineup. There's a couple of reasons for this. Number one is because he's Jake Cronenworth and he is super Cronenworthy! Finishing tied for second place in the National League Rookie of the Year voting with a very impressive 285, 354, 477 slash line with an excellent, excellently low uh, 15.6% strikeout rate. He was awesome last year. He was awesome last year. So that's number one why should we expect him um, a whole lot. Number two is because of his positional versatility. This is a guy that's basically played like every position in the infield. He played first. He played second. Especially, you know, he played first when we really needed him after Eric Hosmer uh, got hurt early on last season. He can even play shortstop pretty well. Obviously, we're not necessarily in via we're not dying to have a shortstop on the team don't get me wrong uh but that's really the big thing about him is positional versatility he can even play for Machado at third I imagine if he needs be although I only think he did that in one game when the Padres were were getting beat down a bit and they took out Manny I think I, I could be wrong about that but uh I know that he's basically played every infield position and he's been pretty good at it so that's the part of him he's got great defense the next reason is, well, aside from him just being um, the best, one of the better players on the team last year, it's that, you know, Jerickson Profar, you look, you look at Jerickson Profar, Jerickson Profar kind of had, you know, his breakout first good season in a long, long time. I mean, this guy was considered a bust for basically all of his career, kind of a, a derailed career, you know what I mean, because of his, his shoulder surgeries and all that, so... While it was really nice to see him have such a great season last year, it really was one of his first good seasons that he's basically had. I mean, possibly his best career season, like I said. He also had a 293 Babbitt for just as one stat, for an example, which is his highest in his career as well, meaning that just a lot of the exit velo on ground balls was just a lot higher for him. So maybe he got a little bit fortunate there. We don't know for sure. And then the other thing is Hassan Kim, who... It's super exciting. Don't get me wrong. I literally talked about how him being a part of that 24-hour period was amazing. He's one of the great stars that's come out of the KBO League in a little bit of time. So that's really exciting. And I've seen comparisons to to Trey Turner, to Gene Segura, and even Carlos Correa. You know what I mean? And I, I, that's the thing, though. Don't expect that immediately. I think the one that makes most sense to expect might be someone like Gene Segura, at least for the first year. Um, but you still shouldn't expect too much because, you know, especially in the KBO League, it doesn't quite line up there when it comes to guys throwing hard. Guys throw a lot harder in Major League Baseball. There's more change-up stuff, more off-speed stuff going on in the KBO, I think, by comparison. So I think Hassan Kim is going to need to adjust, especially when it comes to those power numbers. What is good about him, though, is going to be his glove. That stuff, I think, should translate pretty well, at least, to the Major League level. That's what's exciting about him, is that he's good, basically an all-around player. He's not just a, a slugger only, you know what I mean? He's also can, can play some good infield, too. But that's really the thing here, and that's why I'm so curious. While Cronenworth is the front runner, I'm still curious. How are they going to split the time for all these guys? Because no DH this year, and 
you know, I don't think AJ Preller signs these guys. I don't think he gives three years, twenty-one million to Jerickson Profar if he's just going to have him as a bench guy who barely plays. You know, I don't think that that's what uh, AJ Preller would do unless he's just the ultimate gun, you know, trigger happy guy that just wants to just get every player no matter what. He doesn't care what happens with them, which is doubtful. I would love to sit here and go all conspiracy hobby on all you guys and say that AJ Preller signed these guys because he knows next year we're going to get the DH. I'd love to go out there. I'd love to put that in the algorithm. I love all the aggregators out there to take my my podcast today. It said Javier Reyes thinks that AJ Preller knows something. There's literally nobody writing about me for the record. I'm being facetious. But I am not being facetious about my question about how exactly the, all these guys are going to play together and what's going to happen with the lineup. I think it might just happen and go come down to who's playing well. It might go righty lefty splits if if you know certain guys are batting well against certain guys. It's going to be interesting to see how Jace Tingler, who at one point last season we were all reprimanding for his managerial decisions, and then it turned out yeah he's fine. Now, that's how I feel about managers in baseball, especially like no matter who they are, I'm always like ah they're fine, whatever. Like as as long as you're not doing something crazy bad, I really usually don't care too much. But um, it's gonna be see. Uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how that comes to um, to fruition. This three sided, this three headed hydra of kind of uh, infieldmen that the Padres have. So I'm really excited for that. That's one of the main questions I imagine a lot of people have for the team this next year. My next question is how much? How much? And it has a lot to do with my first question. So it's a little bit of a cheat. Not gonna lie. How much exactly? Is it going to suck on a level of 1 to 10 not having the designated hitter spot this season? You know, this has been one of the more contentious things in all of baseball, basically, the last year. I mean, everyone's been talking about this. People have been talking about this for for decades, honestly, with you. But we got it in 2020. We got to see so many more. We're seeing Mitch Moreland hit at DH. We're seeing Tommy Pham in the playoffs hit at DH. It was really fun, you know, and it was really cool to see all that. And it's funny because uh, Zach Kreiser, who was on the podcast last week, you guys can go listen to that episode. We talked about how he wrote the Padres essay for the 2021 Baseball Prospectus Annual. He wrote a piece um, a while ago uh, called Circle Change, Survival Tactics of the Doomed, uh, which is such a great title, by the way, Zach. And he kind of talked about, you know, some of these pitchers that are batting. And one of them was Yu Darvish, who we've talked about a lot on this podcast already, and how he's he barely even tries at the plate. He looks terrified, actually, when you go look at this article. Screw it. I'm going to link this one in the description, too. Um, I'm going to have a lot of articles, three articles in the description today. Um, and it's just kind of, it shows you, in my opinion, in my opinion, like when you're just seeing you Darvish stand at the plate there, like how absolutely absurd it is that we're not just having the DH. It really doesn't make sense to me. It's never made sense to me, uh, really, for my whole life, the idea of, I understand the novelty aspect. I understand this idea of being like, you know, uh, I want to see what it looks like for, you know, Blake Snell to hit. You know, I want to see what that looks like. I want to see what it looks like for Mackenzie Gore to hit. You know what I mean? It must be fun. It's like, well, you know, you Darvish, for example, he's like a career like 120 hitter. Like, what are we doing? Get another real Major League bat in there. These guys are meant to pitch. It's Major League Baseball. This isn't Little League where... You know, you weren't playing necessarily at a high level. It's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, everybody who played Little League Baseball is like, well, back in my, you know, when I was younger, we used to have the pitchers hit too. It's like, yeah, because we're younger and we're not super, super, you know, demon, half-blood, you know, Olympic gods. <laughs> you know what I mean? That professional athletes are. You know, at this level, it's just kind of unrealistic, I think. So I'm really wondering, what's the over-under? Not at a scale of just one to ten, but what's the over-under for games before people are really just pissed, you know, people are really just upset and they're raging and they're like, 
this is dumb, and hopefully nobody gets hurt. I would, that would be awful. I mean, that happened very famously. I remember growing up, Chin Meng Wong, I believe, yeah, it was Ching Meng Wong of the Yankees got hurt rounding third base, and he was not like a great pitcher, but he had some promise, I think. Uh, back in the day, and he gets hurt rounding the bases, and everyone's like, what are we doing? This is dumb, and that especially hurts because he's on the Yankees, so it was an interleague game. It's not like they were even used to having that happen, so that's when I remember um, some of the discourse popping up when I was younger and listening to, like, you know, John Sterling and then listening to uh, all the all these radio hosts. Mike Francesa, my dad, used to love when I was younger growing up, you know, ranting about this on the radio, so I think that's going to be a narrative for the entirety of the 2021 season, to be honest with you. And I know that narrative is kind of an overused word, but it's still going to be interesting to see uh, kind of what happens uh, with baseball in the coming years with the DH argument. I'm hoping it goes away, but I definitely think all the fun stuff, all the fun part of having the DH last year, it's gone now, and I really think it's going to suck. And, you know, this Padres team, we might not have question number one with the the infieldmen. That might not be as big of an interesting question. We might have Hassan Kim in the starting lineup day one, you know what I mean, if this wasn't uh, the case. But for now, we do. And for now, guys, that is it for my first two questions of this top 10 list. But before we get into, before we get into numbers three, four, and five, I know we still got three questions left. I know, right? Really, really chunky pod today of uh, interesting stuff. Firstly, I want to talk to you guys about Built Bar. You know, we've been telling you for months that Built Bar is amazing. I've been saying it from, I've been shouting from the heavens, guys. Amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting stuff. But now it's time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. Isn't it amazing that everyone's getting in on the whole bracket uh, kind of challenge thing? You know, it used to just be college basketball. Now all of a sudden everyone's got a bracket. And we've got a Built Bar bracket, guys. Today's matchup. Today's matchup. That must be discussed. I actually want to touch on one thing. Apple Almond Crisp, according to what I'm looking at, lost to Churro Puff. And I haven't tried the Churro Puff flavor. I'm very upset that I was not able to try that flavor. I'm sure it's delicious. I'm sure it's yummy. It sounds yummy. Who doesn't love churros and, you know, puff, I guess? You know, who doesn't love that? But the Apple Almond Crisp flavor is slept on by all of you mofos over at Built Bar. I'm just throwing it out there. How dare you guys have this thing eliminated? But I really want to talk to you about the the other matchup, which is peanut butter brownie that I see here going up against coconut almond. And look, here's the thing. I'm a big peanut butter guy. I'm a big brownie guy. Eh, Actually, I'm not going to lie to you just for sake of the ad. I'm not the biggest brownie guy in the world. I like it as a flavor, I guess. But peanut butter brownie, you would think would have the advantage here. I say nay. I think coconut almond is so much better for this. There's something, it's very chocolatey and almost almost too much peanut butter brownie. It's already a chocolate bar. It's just, it's a little bit too much. I still like the bar, but I think it's a little bit too much for that flavor. So I'm going with coconut almond here for sure. Uh, do not sleep on it. Even if you don't like coconut stuff, uh, it's really great, guys. Go to BuiltBar.com or the Built Bar uh, account on Twitter, which is at Built underscore Bar. Uh, remember to use the promo code LOCKDOWN20 to get 20% off your next order, guys. That is LOCKDOWN20 to get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check out to see, you know, who wins each matchup every day. Day, and you know which one you're rooting for uh, will become the best tasting protein bar. All right, you filthy animals, we are back here on Lockdown Padres, continuing the top 20, or sorry, the top 10 questions I have for the Padres heading into uh, the 2021 season. Let's go to number three. Number three for my questions is we've been talking about batters a lot. Let's talk about some pitching. How far along is Mackenzie Gore? Look, as you all know, I'm not the biggest, huge, you know, 
most I'm not the biggest prospect expert all right I don't know why I'm jumbling my words I'm not someone who follows the minor leagues all that much I'm one of those guys who's you know, a little bit of a snob when it comes to stuff. Maybe snob isn't the right way to describe it, but I, I'm ignorant. I'm ignorant when it comes to stuff because for me, I'm like, I don't like prospect fetishizing. You know what I mean? I don't like it when people are like, oh, I want, you know, the 76th ranked prospect instead of someone who like Gene Segura, who's like a good major league player, maybe not amazing. You know what I mean? Where people overvalue and think that every prospect just because that, that I think it's the word prospect that just there's so much uh there's a sentiment attached to that that's just greatness and the future like nba top draft pick or something like that when oftentimes it's not like all these guys pan out but in the case of mckenzie gore he's ranked number six according to mlb.com on its list of top 100 prospects he is the best pitching prospect in baseball we've talked about it before on this podcast with aram layton of lockdown mlb prospects a pod that you should also check out he's great on that he's got a four pitch repertoire Super exciting. His fastball goes between 92 to 96 miles per hour, which doesn't sound all that impressive considering you would think, oh, well, he's the best pitching prospect in baseball. So that's not that's that's not bad, but it's not incredible, right? Well, he's also got a killer slider, killer changeup, and a killer curveball. Uh, you know, he's been really – he mixes things up. And while I think the Padres want a little bit more consistency from game to game of his kind of four-pitch repertoire and whatnot, um, you know, he's, he's the best, best prospect. You know what I mean? It's been so long since we've – technically seen him pitch which is one thing that's been fun I guess about spring training we saw a pitch um during spring training we've been hearing all those reports about him facing against Tatis and Machado and some you know batting sessions and that's really exciting he strikes out a couple and then he gets Tatis to foul off that's always fun even if it doesn't really matter for his prospects as much but it's still exciting the big thing is how far along is he? Will he debut in 2021? I would wager yes, because based on just things, how things happen, you know, we have Denelson Lamette's health to worry about. We have all sorts of things. Anything can happen. So maybe they need a spot start. I don't know. But I can imagine second half, maybe towards the latter uh, months of the summer to expect to see uh, Mackenzie Gore debut. But it's not a guarantee considering the Padres really did bolster their rotation, obviously with you Darvish, who we've talked about a ton on this podcast, Blake Snell, and um Joe Musgrove. So it's it's definitely one of those things that you shouldn't be we're not dying to see Mackenzie Gore, but it's definitely kind of fun that we've got all these great pitchers and then apparently we've got the ultimate diamond golden egg, you know, in the farm system just chilling. So I'm curious to see how he um uh, pans out and I'm curious to see when he debuts, if he debuts. Not a guarantee, but I still think we should probably expect something from him this year. My fourth question is also something to do with pitching. It is about Chris Paddock, who I have roasted to death on this podcast very famously. I mean, guys, he was a big-time not-great pitcher in 2020. I mean, this guy was bad. I mean, if you just go to his StatCast page, a whole lot of blue. 10th percentile on exit velo, hard hit percentage 5, weighted on base 24, really bad. The only thing that's good, that was good about Paddock is his walk percentage, which wasn't very high, and he has a decent amount of fastball velocity. But the bottom line is that last year, Chris Paddock got killed, absolutely killed with his fastball. I joke sometimes that people were batting like 400 against it. Well, I'm not totally super far off. I mean, people were batting 308 against his four-seam fastball, with he, which he threw last year 58% of the time. But his changeup was still good, which is what's exciting. You know, he threw that about 31% of the time, and opponents were only batting 187 against it. So his big superstar pitch still works. So my question is this. Not only is it just can, you know, Chris Paddock control and locate this fastball better and not be too predictable and not to throw it too much without any movement whatsoever, 
But can Chris Paddock add a third pitch to his repertoire? Can he? Now, it's not something that I've expected. I don't think I've seen anything from spring training. So this might be one of those, you know, questions that we immediately just throw in the trash can as a question marked out as no for me. But I'm curious, can he start throwing that curveball a little bit more? He only threw it 7.4% of the time, a total of 71 pitches. And it wasn't particularly amazing, but not awful. Opponents were batting 250 against it. Uh, one, I think I forgot who it was that absolutely crushed it once. Uh, in a play, I don't know if it was the playoff game, but he threw a curveball that just hung up horribly in the zone and just got taken out of the park. But it's a pitch that he's kind of working on. So my question is this. For the future, for Chris Paddock, can he improve this pitch? Can he make it something that is at least part of his repertoire? It doesn't have to be his ace pitch. The big thing that he's going to need is to keep his changeup as elite as it is and for him to locate the fastball better. But can he add the curveball? I want to see if he can because I actually think he can do it. I think he is a gamer to a degree. That Texas edge, I think I know it's fun. I make fun of it sometimes, the Texas attitude with the cowboy boots. But I think the guy's a competitor, and I think that he's going to have a little bit of a bounce-back season. I mean, think about it. This guy was the ace, rook, another kind of rookie of the year contender for the Padres um, in 2019. He was excellent. And, you know, we're, we've kind of forgotten about that. And for good reason. He wasn't very good. He got killed by the Cardinals in the playoffs, which is really bad, considering the Cardinals had, like, one of the lowest slugging percentages of any team in the playoffs and any team in baseball last year. And they were just absolutely killing him. So that wasn't a good sign. But still, I think he's an excellent kind of buy low on uh, when it comes to hype because I don't think he can be that much worse than he was last year. I think that he's been working on stuff, and he, who knows? Maybe he's going to learn from guys like you, Darvish, Blake Snell, and even even Joe Musgrove. So I'm still believing in all that stuff, and I still believe in Chris Paddock. And I think if he's a guy, if he's a four or five starter on your team, guys, Chris Paddock, that just shows you how good of a situation that the Padres are in right now. So that's my fourth question that I'm wondering. Can Chris Paddock add another pitch to his repertoire? And my fifth and final question for today's pod is a really fun one. Uh, that is, I some people might call it blasphemous, but I'm going to say it anyway. Are we still sleeping? Are we still sleeping? On Trent Grisham. I know, I know. Yeah, we all we all love Trent. You know, we appreciate him and all this stuff. Guys, trust me, I appreciate Trent more than everybody. You know, not everybody necessarily, more than his family and super diehard fans and whatnot. But I love him too. I wrote a whole article about him for Baseball FYI, having a true comeback season in every sense of the word, not necessarily based on stats, but because of the error in the playoffs and look at him now winning a gold glove. You know, Trent Grisham is basically in another universe. He's the most exciting player that the Padres have had in years. You know what I mean? This is a guy that they get in a trade with Milwaukee, and we'll see how that ends up panning out in the future, I guess. But still, you know, they get him and Zach Davies, and if not for a little guy named Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado and Jake Cronenworth and Denelson Lamette and all the trades they made for Blake Snell and Darvish, this guy is the one that we're all freaking out about. This guy who doesn't have the most incredible slash line. In 2020, he batted 251 with a 352 on base and a 456 slugging, even though his slugging, I think, might have been inflated by a really somewhat fluky three-homer game against the Giants towards the end of the season. He finished with 10 homers. But, you know, he's still really good. He's an A-plus defender, or maybe an A, A-plus defender, even sometimes in some areas better than Mookie Betts, which is crazy right maybe not based on the arm strength but based on his sprint speed for sure but bottom line is i really think it an alternate timeline he's the guy that we're all freaking out about as a what can he be in the future well my thing is this we should still be wondering that he could be a really awesome leadoff hitter he's definitely a guy that's going to be one of the core uh guys that make the padres good he's a great on base guy but 
can he get even better? I already mentioned that slash line, but I'm wondering. You know, we saw Fernando Tatis. One of the things that happened in his rookie season is he struck out a whole lot. I mean, not to the point where it freaked you out. Like, I think, was it Trevor's story, I think, for the, among shortstops? I think Trevor's story had one year. Yeah, it was Trevor Story. He had a strikeout percentage of 34.4 one year. His rookie season, he had 31.3, but it, it almost didn't matter because he was hitting the ball out of the park every five seconds. And then in 2017, he was bad. That K percentage was absolutely awful. Uh, Tatis's was 29.6 his rookie season. But like like I was saying with Tatis, can Grisham have do what Tatis did? And Tatis cut down on his strikeouts quite a bit. He went from 29.6 to 23.7 in 2020, which is what, you know, kind of accelerated his MVP um, candidacy in a lot of ways and helped him keep up his really great batting average. Trent Grisham, on the other hand, let's just look at him for a second. In 2019, his strikeout percentage was 26.6, and in 2020, it was 25.4. So a modest improvement in that department, but that's what I'm wondering. Can Grisham cut down on his strikeouts? That would be great. Can he improve with guys on base? He only batted 200 with men on base last year. Bottom line is this, I think that Grisham is a really great player. He's still just 24 years old. If not for the hype on everybody else on the Padres, we'd be talking about him a lot more. And we shouldn't count out, he's already a great player, especially because of his defense. But we shouldn't count out the fact, what if this guy becomes a guy who bats 270, 370 slash line? And he hits like maybe 25 homers and the A-plus defense? It's like a top 40 player? Top 40 positional player at minimum? You know, that improves drastically, not just being a top 50 fantasy baseball draft uh, pick because that's where he's going this year because of his potentials uh, in steals and what have you, but just as a guy that is not just, I, I think he has room to improve. I actually think he got a little bit unlucky with certain uh, calls against him with the strike zone last year. Hopefully he improves that. I'm curious to see if maybe his batting stance improves, if he can, you know, maybe not pull the ball too much. Really curious to see. I think he has plenty to uh, improve upon. Um, for next year, and I don't think that we should uh, sleep on him. I think we're appreciative. Here's what I'll say. I think we all know that he's good. I don't think we're all talking about how he could be better, you know, I, and that we should almost expect for Trent Grisham to be better, given his age and the fact that he's, I don't know, He's. I think he's a gamer too, to a degree. I think he's got a lot to prove. So that's my fifth question. To finish all out, to recap, to the first five questions of my uh, 10 questions of the 2021 season. Number one, how will Hassan Kim, Jake Cronenworth, and Jerks and Profar fit into the lineup? Number two, how much exactly is not having the DH going to suck? <laughs> and uh, number three, how far along is Mackenzie Gore? Uh can't wait to see how that one pans out. Number four, can Chris Paddock add another pitch to his repertoire? And number five, are we still somehow sleeping on Trent Grisham? And you guys will have to stay tuned tomorrow for the final five of my top ten questions. Guess what? I'm still kind of deciding on what I want my my tenth one to be. So even I don't know. Even I don't know. But I, I promise you it's going to be fun. Um, before we get into the future of this podcast, though, some other things I have planned, I want to quickly talk to you about something really, really cool and that's Locked On MLB. Join Walking Baseball Encyclopedia, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please, but please, guys, please, just promise me this. Call him Sully every day on Locked On MLB for a unique look at the majors, both past and present, featuring exciting guest interviews, routine check-ins from the Locked On MLB Network's team of local experts, and insightful analysis of the day's biggest stories. Locked On MLB is the single best source for daily baseball talk. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. In terms of the future of this podcast, guys, tomorrow you're going to be getting part two of this uh, top 10 questions, I guess, for the 2021 season, as well as a recap um, 
of the game against the White Sox that the Padres are having and any kind of insight I may have from that game. We'll see what happens there. I might even talk about the White Sox just a little bit because White Sox are kind of like the Padres of the American League. And for the rest of this week on Wednesday, it is Division Day yet again. I'll be talking with Ben Kaspik of Locked On Giants. Depending on how long that goes, might even split into three, uh, two parts at least. Uh, you know, last week's episode ran like 48 minutes, so I definitely should probably split up uh, and divide that a little bit better next time, depending on how long we talk. And also what you can expect for the, um, this week is I'm talking to Kat Garcia, uh, who's a freelance baseball writer, and she writes about Chicago sports a whole lot. She's written for The Athletic, Fangrass, Baseball prospectus and we talked about her piece um which i'll i'll share on social media soon um we talked about her piece for fansided about baseballs and baseballs baseball um on the radio and the relationship between uh people who listen on the radio uh to baseball and kind of what that experience is like and it's a very it's a people story and i think it was a lot of fun um we'll still be talking all sorts of baseball stuff that day too i'll be recapping the game and whatnot but uh, i think that's going to be a fun kind of a conversation to break up some of the the spring training talk, but in a good way. Just, you know, good old-fashioned baseball talk. So I think you guys will enjoy that. But with that all being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, wherever. Give me some five-star reviews on the Apple Podcast app. I'd greatly appreciate it. Follow the show or myself on Twitter. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My Friar Faithful homies, take care.